Angela Yee and Charlemagne the God. The, the Breakfast Club, bitches. <laughs> the voice of the culture. People watch The Breakfast Club for, like, news and really be tuned in. It's one of my favorite shows to do just because y'all always keep it 100, y'all keep it real. They might not watch the news, but they're on Twitter. They're on Facebook. They're, you know, they're listening to The Breakfast, the Breakfast Club. Get your ass up. Yo 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 Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ MV. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. It's Monday. Good morning. Toronto, what up? Good morning, everybody. Hey, what's happening, man? Another Monday. We here. We made it. Right? Start of another work week. How was everybody's weekend? Mine um, was do? good. I was in Atlanta. Great. For the weekend. Um, you love all the coronavirus hotspots, boy. Are you on a tour? Do you go to all? The, <laughs> do you have like a list of all the coronavirus hotspots, and you somehow hit all these places? I'm gonna test it out, see if I can really get it. <laughs> I mean, I live in one of the hotspots. So do you guys? New York ain't no hotspot like Atlanta no more. They New York's still far a hotspot. Hot no, it's not. So New York have, is far a, from a hotspot. We still have a high amount of cases here, guys. It's still important no matter where you are. We are New but York yes, is I had not a, a coronavirus hotspot. I'm going to be opening a store, and I had to go have this meeting, so it was important. So I went to my hotel, didn't leave the hotel the whole time I was there until I came back. And then when you come back, you have to download that app on the phone and let people know, you know, when you come back from certain uh, states back to New York, you have to either fill out a form or download this app and they do this tracing thing where they can randomly call you just to make sure that you're quarantined. Oh, okay. Did they call you yet? How was the flight? <laughs> uh, the flight was fine. You know, on Delta, they only have a certain amount of capacity, so there's nobody sitting next to you. There was nobody sitting behind me, and they have the middle seats empty in coach, so, you know, they try to make it as safe as possible. You have to have on a mask the whole time unless you're drinking or eating. Okay. Mm-hmm. It felt fine. You had it to... Where you headed to next, Cali? Well, you know, I have to quarantine at home now. That <laughs> I still being still being responsible with everything I'm doing. Okay. But still gotta, you know, make sure I'm making some money. All right. I feel you. Okay. All right. Well, let's get the show cracking. Front page news. What we talking about? Uh, well, let's talk about TikTok. Is TikTok about to be banned here in the United States, or is a major corporation buying it? We'll tell you what's going on. All right, we'll get oh, into also all too, that. You know, um, you know, on Friday we had a conversation uh, with a woman whose name is uh, has been is now been thrown in the hat for, to be vice president, mm-hmm. and her mm-hmm. name is Congressman Karen Bass, and yes. she'll be joining us this morning. And also yes. Roy we, Jones. We, we talked to her Friday, and Roy, oh, Roy Jones, Jones Jr. will be joining us as well. So let's oh, get wow. the show cracking. Okay. Front page news is next. Is the Breakfast Club? Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting, Yee? Well, let's start with Orlando Magic's Jonathan Isaac. He wasn't wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt during the National Anthem on Friday's game against the Brooklyn Nets, and he also decided not to kneel with the rest of his teammates. So here is why he made the decision that he made. I believe that Black Lives Matter, a lot went into my decision, and part of it is, first off, 
is, is, is my thought that, you know, kneeling or wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt don't go hand in hand with supporting Black Lives. Uh, for myself, my, my, my life has been supported uh, through the gospel, Jesus Christ. All right, Orlando Magic coach Steve Clifford said that they do support his decision. His teammates support him. The organization supports him, so that's part of living in our country. He can express himself how he seems fit. But then yesterday he tore his ACL in the game. Uh, yeah, he went down kind of so. hard. Yeah, he went down mm-hmm. kind of hard. He had to be. Uh, they had to get a wheelchair to get him off the court. I hope he heals. I hope he heals, man. I hope he heals fast too. ACL they usually out for a year when they when they have an ACL. That's a, that's a long process. I, I, mm-hmm. I think it's shorter now just because of technology, but it definitely is a long process. I saw people saying um, that was karma. I don't mm-hmm. I don't think that's karma. I don't know if that's karma. I mean, him not wanting to, to kneel isn't wrong, nor does it mean he doesn't care. It's a choice he made, but I don't know if that's right. karma. Because, I mean, you know, if, if Kyrie or LeBron, God forbid, hurt themselves, somebody on the other side could say that's karma because they won't stand for the anthem. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't throw the word karma around so loosely, people. All right. And him now, being a Christian, he just has to accept that's God's plan, right? That he got hurt. So. All right. Now let's talk about what's happening with TikTok. Donald Trump is planning to ban TikTok through an executive action. He told uh, reporters on Friday that he wants to do that. He did not specify how it's going to happen. But uh, it was reported that Microsoft also has been in talks to buy the TikTok video sharing mobile app from the Chinese. And so Donald, uh, Chinese owner. So Donald Trump on Friday said he's uh, planning to do this ban sometime soon. Well, the general manager of TikTok, Vanessa Papas, had this to say. We've heard your outpouring of support and we want to say thank you. Uh, We're not planning on going anywhere. I'm also proud of our 1,500 U.S. employees who work on this app every day and the additional 10,000 jobs that we're bringing into this country over the next three years. I'm thrilled about our U.S. Creator Fund, where we just announced our billion-dollar fund to support our creators. And when it comes to safety and security, we're building the safest app because we know it's the right thing to do. So is it bad? Not oh, yet, but he wants to ban it. He wants to ban it. But it looks like Microsoft is really close to acquiring TikTok here in the U.S. And in that case, they'll be working with the government to have, let it continue. How do you want to ban TikTok before you ban police chokeholds <laughs> that killed George Floyd and Eric Garner? Or ban TikTok before you ban no-knock warrants that killed Breonna Taylor? Or ban TikTok before you ban AR-15s and the mother weapons that go brrrr. Like, how do you ban uh, TikTok before? How do you want to ban TikTok before you want to ban all those things? That makes no sense to me. But it's America. <sighs> yeah, this is, I, I mean, I'm though, confused. I, I have no problem with 40-year-olds being banned from TikTok. But 40 and up, you don't need to have your big and grown ass on TikTok, okay? You look ridiculous. And one story I saw this weekend is a school, one of the first school districts in the country to reopen its doors during the coronavirus pandemic, did not even make it a day before having to say we have to shut back down. So as more schools are trying to figure this out, that was in Indiana, they had to quarantine students within hours. So they're still trying to figure out how are they going to open these schools, but just hours into the first day of classes on Thursday, a call from the county health department said that Greenfield Central Junior High School in Indiana, a student walked the halls and sat in various classrooms, and that student did test positive for coronavirus. Wow. Yeah, that's going to be difficult opening these schools. Yeah, that was... That's crazy. One kid got it, and, and it, it's a wrap, you know? Grand opening, grand closing. Absolutely. All right. Well, that is front page news. Now, get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. How was your weekend? Let us know. You had a great weekend. Let us know. Or maybe it was horrible. Whatever it may be, get it off your chest. 800 800- 
585-1051. Call us now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Let's go. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or black. Say it with your chest. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Hello, who's this? Yo, what's going on, MV? Good morning, Charlemagne. Good morning, Angela. It's Rick from Brooklyn. Rick, hey, what Rick. up, brother? It's Rick. What's going on? I ain't talked to y'all in a minute. I was working nights, so every time I got off, you guys were just getting on. Anyway, I want to talk about TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about mm-hmm. the fact that Trump wants to ban TikTok based on a campaign with all these young kids trying to build a platform to, you know, to be against him in this upcoming re- election. So a big part of why he wants to ban TikTok is not because of China, because they send so many in this, so many companies have so many businesses and have their products made in China that over three hundred million dollars of our stimulus money went to Chinese businesses. So it can't be because of China. It's basically basically because of all the kids that are on TikTok that are rallying against him and using the platform as a as a tool to be against him in, in the coming in the upcoming election. So he's just being a hypocrite. I, uh, Microsoft is thinking about buying TikTok out. I, see, I hope they will, because then he's going to, you know, shoot up Microsoft stock and give people more jobs here. But Trump is just trying to use TikTok as a, as a, as a scapegoat. And, and, and he's trying to really sabotage this upcoming election. So people should really go out and vote and really mm-hmm. participate in, in, in the process right now, because it's a lot going on behind the scenes. He's trying to ban um, um, uh, uh, absentee ballots and all this stuff. So people got to really pay attention to what's going on. And if you're going to be on TikTok, use it for something positive. And not just be on there working and doing dumb. Shit. <laughs> All right, Rick. Well, listen, you. I've been telling, I've, I've been, I've been saying for over a year, uh, over a year that uh, even if Trump loses the election in November, he's gonna find a way to 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 stay in that White House. I'm telling you, watch. All right, and that's the conversation that they're having now. What what if what if Trump loses but refuses to leave? Hello, who's this? Hello, your host. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Ooh, good morning. Sound like good morning. you need a Sound like you need a tic tac. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Your phone sounds crazy. Your phone, uh-huh. is going Your phone in and don't out. work. Ah, uh-huh. your phone Your sounds crazy. trash. Ah, uh-huh. ah, uh-huh. ah, You can't even get I'm off on me the way you want to. Listen, uh-huh. I'm, just in the I'm just trying to spread positive. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm sorry, Mike. You got to call back. <laughs> Jeez. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Wake up, wake up, wake your ass. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed, we want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Good morning, it's Chris. Good morning, Breakfast Club. Chris, what up? Get it off your chest, brother. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about uh, these going back to schools. I got a 13-year-old daughter. She's a Detroit public school, and I got a call a couple weeks ago saying, hey, how do you feel about uh, kids going back to school? And I told them, I don't, I don't agree with it. And I haven't heard back from them yet, so I don't know what these people here in Detroit are going to do about the school, but I just don't think it's safe at this time. Yeah, I mean, you got to do what's best for you. You can't you can't rely on, on the school district to tell you if you should bring your kids or not. You got you to gotta base it off what you feel and what you think, you know? So what is this deal with Trump? What is his big push or what is his power behind the push or what is his... He don't have a plan. Not going to school. He doesn't have a plan right now. Doesn't have a plan, but yet still he's pushing people to try to go back to school. When his hey, child is th- school. Yeah, I think he's just trying to push things to get back to normal because he keeps ignoring a problem because he thinks ignoring a problem is going to make it go away. But that's not the case here. 
So just because we're back in school, it's not going to make coronavirus disappear. Now, in New York City, they're doing a um, hybrid model that's going to start September 10th. So there'll be kids going to classes one to three days a week. And then they said if anything happens, if there's any cases, that would mean that the schools would likely have to uh, shut down buildings or have individual classrooms. They said one or two confirmed cases in a single classroom would require those classes to close for 14 days. And then all the students and staff members have to quarantine. Well, at least you guys got a plan there in New York and Detroit. I don't know what the plan is. All right, brother. We'll do what's best for you. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. All right, brother. I don't think Hello. people realize how stressful this is, man. It is, no. Believe me, it is. It is. Hello, who's this? Good morning, Breakfast Club. How y'all doing? Sylvester. Good morning. Sylvester, what's happening, kid? Uh, you know, um, have y'all ever heard of Black August? Uh-uh. What? Mm-mm. What's Black August, bro? Okay, so I just found out about it, and I think one of the, like, crazy or great things about this time is that I'm finding so much about black history. But Black August started in the 70s by the uh, the freedom fighters in California. And it's basically a time, like, dedicated to learning about black revolutionaries, like, understanding the struggle against white supremacy, colonialism, capitalism, and imperialism. And, like, a lot of um, black revolutionaries were born in this month, like Marcus Garvey, um, and, you know, Fred Hampton. So it's just, it's just a, like, it's just a time to, like, look to the past and then train and dedicate yourself to continuing the fight that they've been, um, you know, pushing since they were doing it before we started. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, Good you, to know. A, I see there's a movie, there's a movie called Black August also. I guess that'll give some history. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, you can hit us up. Now we got rumors on the way, Yee. Man, this was a really tough story to have to see over the weekend, but we'll talk about Frank Ocean. His brother has allegedly died in a car crash, so we'll give you that information. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. It's this is the rumor report with Angela Yee on the Breakfast Club. Well, this was a really sad story over the weekend. Frank Ocean's little brother, only 18 years old, Ryan Bro, is reportedly dead after a car accident. There were two men in the vehicle. It was Ryan Bro and his classmate Ezekiel Bishop. So the victims' identities were named on social media. Authorities have not officially confirmed it, but there's been all kinds of support and love and a lot of people giving tributes on social media, their classmates. When officials arrived, the vehicle was fully engulfed in flames. They said the two ocup- occupants were pronounced dead at the scene. The vehicle was severely damaged. They hit a tree before getting cut in half on impact. Yeah. Mm. Well, condolences definitely to his family. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's sad. Sending them love and light at a time like this. Right. Not an easy time. And... While they are still investigating what they are saying, they believe speed played a role in this crash. All right, G Herbo has announced his own mental health initiative, and don't we need it now? It's called Swerving Through Stress. And so he's teamed up with Audio Mac to create this initiative. So what they'll do is the Dream Team Therapy Fund will provide three months of therapy sessions for black youth ages 18 to 25. And he said, while 75% of all lifetime mental illnesses will begin by the age of 24, only one out of three African-Americans who need mental health care receive it. Early intervention can help reduce the severity of an illness. Access to resources is essential. That's right. We need all hands on deck in regard to helping people stay mentally healthy right now. So drop on the clues, Bonds, with G Herbal. 
I respect all right, earlier this week, he actually had a mental health panel that was attended by the City Girls, Saweetie, Wale, and NLE Chapa, and moderated by Jessica Clemens, Dr. Jess. Dr. Jess. All right, Brandy has spoken up. Uh, she did an interview with Wrap Up because, you know, she has the album out, and she's talking about bringing back her show, Moesha, for a reboot. Here's what she said. Okay. I'm definitely open to it. I, I would love to experience that. It's, it's an idea. It's an okay. idea. Um, I just know that uh, for me... I just want for everyone to know that I'm open to it and I'm I'm in discussions okay. with the, the right people to, to make it happen. Would y'all be here for that? Um, I never really watched Moesha like that. Yeah, I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, I, I never I, really watched Moesha. Yeah, Moe yeah, I wasn't in the Moesha either, but I do know a lot of people loved Moesha. Um, but mm -hmm. I'm always interested in, in watching those reboots only because I do like to see, you know, what happened to the characters. Like, how do you make the characters grow up? But I, it wouldn't it impact me the same way because I didn't, really watch yeah. Moesha when I was... I was a young. fan of Moesha, so, so I guess, yeah, it'll be her as an adult with her family. Who knows? It seemed like mad people on that show died, though. Didn't, like, three people on that show die? I know Merlin Santana died. Um, Who else? I feel like, like three people on Moesha died. Hold on, let me look it up real quick. All right, while you look it up, we were talking about TikTok earlier, and Little Yachty is embarrassed that his TikTok got out. I don't know if y'all saw it, but it was with this song playing, and he had his hair straightened with bangs and everything. Yeah! He said, I ain't going to lie. My TikTok was never supposed to get out. Now that it's been found, I am embarrassed. <laughs> can you be a celebrity like Yachty and have a secret TikTok, though? I mean, they can see you on TikTok. It's not like yeah. you have a secret blog. Like a, yeah, I'm watching, his, I'm watching his haircut now. You still know it's Yachty. I mean, maybe he thought it was just funny. He did it, and he didn't know it was going to go viral. But he's embarrassed. All right. Ellen DeGeneres. There's all kinds of rumors swirling around about her show. Uh, there was a rumor going around this weekend that she just wants out and she wants to quit the show. But according to other reports, they're saying she has no intention of walking away from her signature talk show or her game show. She plans to report to work August 24th for Ellen's Game of Games and to the set of The Ellen Show when it, from when it premieres again on September 9th, according to internal emails. So people are talking about James Corden. He's being groomed to take over. And they're saying those talks had already been happening even before all of this drama that's been going on with The Ellen Show. So we don't know when that is going to go down, but uh, he is in line next to replace her. I'll tell I tell you what, though, I bet you Ellen is going to be the nicest person on set from here on out. I Absolutely, bet you Ellen, I bet you if she had a if she had an attitude before, or she was hard to work with before. I bet you she's going to be the nicest person in the world now. She's going. Oh, be that's going to change. A, yep, a, a, a five star uh, boss now, guarantee. Well, according to reports, she's devastated that Hollywood turned on her so fast. You don't see too many celebrities taking up for her right now and defending her. And on top of all that right now, there are accusations of sexual misconduct with the executives on Ellen DeGeneres' show. In particular, they've been talking about uh, one person who is a high-level executive there, Kevin LeMann. He's an executive producer and a head writer. They said that he requested a hand job in oral sex from one employee in a bathroom during a company party back in 2013. Another ex-employee said they saw LeMann grab the penis of a production assistant. And another person Jeez. said she witnessed him grope a production assistant inside a vehicle and kiss his neck. Now, there's been multiple former employees 
that are speaking out about all of these sexually explicit comments that he made in the office, including pointing out male workers' bulges in their crotches or asking them questions like, are you a top or a bottom? They said it's masked in sarcasm, but it's not Jeez. sarcasm. He'll do it in front of like 10 people. They would laugh because it's just Kevin being Kevin. But if you're in a position of power at a company, you don't just get to touch me like that. Now, he has responded to these allegations. And he says, I started at the Ellen Show as a PA more than 17 years ago. And I have devoted my career to work my way to that position I now hold. While my job as a head writer is to come up with jokes. And during that process, we can occasionally push the envelope. I'm horrified that some of my attempts of humor may have caused a Offense. I've always aimed to treat everyone on the staff with kindness, inclusivity, and respect. Yeah, one of the EPs stepped down last week, Ed Glavin. So, yeah, clearly it's something right. going on over there. Mm-hmm. A lot of things behind the scenes there. Uh, All right, I'm Angela and remember, Yee. And, 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 oh, mm-hmm. and remember, remember uh, yes, I said, uh, yes, yeah, called the so-called Moesha curse because Merlin Santana died, Yvette Wilson died, and Lamont Bentley all died. Yeah, Lamont uh, Bentley, who played Hakeem, died in a car crash. Yvette, uh, I think she died of, of, of cancer. And I feel like Merlin Santana was killed, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I mean, and Bernie Mac. Wasn't Bernie Mac on Moesha too? Wow, listen. Yeah, yeah I remember I remember people. that's when they first started talking about that curse. Mm. All right, well, that is your rumor report. When we come back, we got front page news. What are we talking about, Yee? Uh, yes, we are going to be discussing coronavirus, find out which head NFL coach now has been diagnosed positive. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. When we starting, Yee? Well, let's start with TikTok. Microsoft is nearing a deal with TikTok after Donald Trump has threatened that he would ban the app. Just it could happen as early as today, but it looks like this deal could actually make sure that we still have TikTok here in the United States. A lot of people feel like Donald Trump's issues with TikTok are all because they had this whole uh, they did this whole campaign to make sure that the rally that he had in, uh, would be pretty empty. So that all started on TikTok. So it feels like it might be something personal, but what he is saying is that it's a security threat and that they would be having access to your personal information. And that's why he wants to ban TikTok. But looks like Microsoft is nearing a pretty big deal. They actually bought LinkedIn most recently back um, for $27 billion. Wow. And they're saying it looks like that deal, even though it hasn't paid off yet, it looks like it was a good deal thus far. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just wild that your mind says you're going to ban TikTok before you ban police chokeholds that killed George Floyd and Eric Garner are banned. No knock warrants that killed Breonna Taylor. You're going to ban TikTok before you present some type of, you know, uh, federal police reform? Are you going to ban TikTok before you ban AR-15s and those other semi-automatic, wep- semi-automatic weapons people use to kill mad people at one time? Like, Jesus right. Christ, where are your right. Is TikTok a bigger threat to our safety than that? I mean, come on. They said about 11% of U.S. adults use TikTok at least once per week. And those numbers for YouTube are 49%, 62% for Facebook, according to a survey. Now, the world's most valuable company right now is Apple. It is the most valuable publicly traded company in the world. They said by the close of market on Friday, Apple was valued at $1.84 trillion. Wow. What is Amazon value? What do Apple stock? Yeah, Amazon just went through the roof. I don't know if I have, do I have any Apple stock stock in my S&P 500? I don't know. I got to check. Well, Apple is the world's most valuable company and that's worldwide. So, Mm. okay. 
Mm-hmm. No surprise there, by the way. Mm-mm. All right, and uh, Philadelphia Eagles coach has tested positive for coronavirus. Doug Peterson, the head coach, is asymptomatic and doing well in self-quarantine. He's coached the Eagles since 2016. He led them to their first ever Super Bowl victory back in 2018. So he is going to continue to lead the Eagles from home virtually, just like he did during the offseason and during the NFL draft. All right. All right, well, that is your front page news. Now, when we come back, we have uh, a member of the U.S. House of Representatives from California, Karen Bass, will be joining us. So we'll That's talk right, to her when we Bass come back. And, um, there's, a, there's a, I guess, a, a, a vice president sweepstakes, as you would call it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and her name has entered the fray. Late, Correct. but it's entered the fray nonetheless. So we're going to talk to Congressman Karen Bass. All right, when we do that, and we'll do that when we come back, so don't move. Congresswoman. Congresswoman, that's right. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We have a special guest on the phone lines right now, Congresswoman Karen Bass. Welcome. Good thank morning. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Let's talk about some things, uh, Ms. Bass. Um, you, you were the house lead on the George Floyd uh, Justice and Policing Act. A lot of people may not even know you know that, that there was an act. Can, can you walk us through a little bit of that, Bill, and tell us what's in it? Sure. It does several things. One of the problems that we've always had in our community is that it is hard to fire a police officer, to sue a police officer, or to prosecute a police officer. So we made those corrections. Like when that criminal was killing George Floyd, everybody watched him die. Right. He was looking at the camera. He was looking at the camera yeah. and he had his hand in his pocket because he didn't give it to him because... He felt he had complete impunity. Why? Mm-hmm. Because police officers basically have immunity. It's called qualified immunity. The other thing is, is that it's almost impossible to prosecute a police officer, which is why you see them occasionally get arrested, but then they don't get prosecuted, right? Well, they don't get prosecuted because the standard is you have to say that they willfully, I mean, you know what was in their mind. They willfully intended to kill somebody. Well, we lowered that standard to say reckless. That doesn't matter whether you intended to kill somebody or not if you're reckless. And so that's one part of the bill. The other part of the bill is to have a registry where if you're a bad officer, you shouldn't be able to go to another department because that's what happens. You go from department to department. I mean, Tamir Rice, 12-year-old child, was killed within seconds when that officer got out of the car. Well, he had just been fired from a nearby department because they thought he was unstable and they thought he had a propensity for violence. So he lied, and the police chief that hired him didn't know that. So we want to have a national registry where bad officers could be documented and then they wouldn't be hired. Breonna Taylor died because of that no-knock warrant, right? The guy they were looking for was already in jail. So we banned no-knock warrants. We banned chokeholds. So the other thing that we do is we try to raise the standards of what it takes to be a police officer. So why is it that the person that does your hair have to have a license and be accredited and there's some national Mm -hmm. standards, but the guy that carries a gun doesn't have to have any standards at all, which is why a chokehold is illegal in one area and legal in another area. So banning chokeholds, but also raising the standards so that police departments have to be accredited. So another part of the bill that I like, one of the pieces that I like the best, 
is the piece that provides grants for communities to uh, re-envision what public safety is like in their community. 30 is that kind of like defunding the police, where you talk about defunding the police because we're taking money to, to other programs? So what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? I, I guess you're about to break that down. So, yeah, let me break that down, down in a second. The, uh, the grants uh, are not taking away. That's new money. So that's new money that a community can apply for that goes to community-based organizations so they could look in their communities and say, well, what do our communities need to be safe? So um, what I think, I mean, I, I say it a little different. I say, instead of saying defund the police, I say refund the community. Because mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is, and I started working on this 30 years ago in South Central. I started an organization at the height of the crack cocaine crisis and the Crips and the Bloods. We had a thousand homicides that year in LA. And I started the organization because in my opinion, crack was a health issue. And it was an economic issue because that's why people were trafficking because all of the good jobs had gone away. And it was a social issue. So around about 30 years ago, we started criminalizing health issues and economic issues. Why? Because we cut money from cities. We cut money from programs. We cut money from drug treatment. And so we need to restore that. So what has happened in our country is we have taken funding away from communities where we have no problem putting all the money in police jails and prisons and then when society has problems like mental illness we criminalize it so i'm not saying that if somebody is mentally ill and they're violent you know you send in a social worker but what i say is is that if you treated the person to begin with they wouldn't have been destabilized and become violent but uh -huh. years before, actually, the 90s, we had the bright idea of closing mental hospitals. That was a good idea because the mental hospitals were really horrible. But we had made a commitment that we would build community-based mental health centers, and we never did that. Mm -hmm. So we just uh, shut down the hospitals and threw people out on the street. And so in L.A., for example, in L.A. City, <clears throat> on any given night, we have 40,000 people sleeping on the street. Now, obviously not all of them are mentally ill. A mental illness is a percentage. The main reason people are on the street is because L.A. is very expensive to live in and they can't afford housing. And by the way, because people's unemployment insurance is not going to be continued today, you're going to have massive evictions also. Because in That's addition right. to the unemployment insurance, with COVID, we also had a moratorium on evictions and we were providing rental assistance. So once again, we allow a social and an economic problem to get out of control. Now, what do you think is going to happen? The other thing- Crime's going to rise. You, you, you got me on my, on my soapbox because the other, thing that was the other thing that was driving me crazy about COVID was prisons. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I've worked on criminal justice reform for several decades. Number one, trying to prevent three strikes and a number of laws that were being passed. But here you have, everybody seems to understand nursing homes, but nobody understood prisons. So people are going to die and not going to die. They have been dying in prison. So what we did in the Congressional Black Caucus, we did a series of town halls with people whose family members were incarcerated to talk about the issue. And so then we put in one of the bills for the Bureau of Prisons to let people out. So, you know, of course, they're coming up with reasons not to let people out. Now, they let Michael Flynn out 
not Michael Flynn, Michael Cohen out and said he had some health reason. Now, that guy is not hardly has a health issue, right? So we've been working on individual cases and getting people out. But here's my concern. I don't want people to just come out. When they've been in a prison, they're liable to have been exposed to COVID, and then you're going to send them home to the zip codes that have the disproportionate death rate. So what we're arguing for is test them before they leave, treat them before they leave if they have COVID, isolate them for a number of weeks before they get out so we can be sure they're COVID-free. So you know what, I'm sorry. Now, I want to salute you because you took one question about police reform and covered everything <laughs> in the ecosystem. <laughs> From prison reform to COVID, everything. All right, we have more with Congresswoman Karen Bass. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Congresswoman Karen Bass. Now, uh, Karen Bass, I wanted to talk to you also. Obviously, we know by now that you are a potential VP pick for Joe Biden. And let's talk about your activism and how we've gotten to this point where you are here today. Because I know you didn't want to start off even doing politics when you were younger. You were more of a community activist. So I just want to talk about the time period that we're in, you being a potential VP, and why you think you would be a good pick. Well, a couple of things. I, back, I, by the way, view politics differently. So to me, all of what I was doing since I was a kid was politics. I mm-hmm. think that elected office is just one branch. That's all. So my work in the community, the issues I was working on are the same issues I'm working on inside of Congress. And so I think because of the historical period we're in, where we have had a president who has been openly racist for three and a half years, has tried to do everything he could to divide us. To me, with George Floyd and policing on the table, it's also raised the issue for the first time that I can remember where people are talking about systemic racism. I mean, we were talking about that for decades and it was something radical. But now people are actually talking about it. And so I think that my years of activism, which has been several decades now, my years of activism in this particular historical moment could allow me to be the branch, the bridge to the activism that is happening in the streets that could help bring us together. In addition, I think because of my years of activism and I'm just dead set on getting stuff done, I also have been able to work with Republicans, some of the most conservative, some of the most flag-waving Trumpsters. If we are working on an issue that's helping our people, because one of the other issues I work on is the foster care issue, which to me is the driver for the criminal justice system. Because when we throw these kids to the curb when they're 18, so many of them wind up incarcerated. And I work with Mm. Republicans on that issue. I'm working with Republicans on policing right now. So... VP, to me, it doesn't matter. What matters to me is that I believe this election is literally a question of life and death because we are dying. And so I'm willing to do whatever it takes in whatever role because I don't want our people to keep dying. And four more years of this, we will be fundamentally changed. I mean, we're already changed as a country, but this dude is using the playbook from George Wallace in the 1960s. He's running that same kind of campaign. And I just feel our lives are at risk 
on so many levels, whether it's COVID or whether it's right-wing terrorism, I still were at risk. Ms. Bass, um, you just said it doesn't matter to you if you become vice president. Do you really mean that? Well, it doesn't matter to me what role I'm asked to serve in. You know She's I still can't doing the work. Go into the, you know I can't, I can't go into much about the uh, uh, vice president thing, but I have always focused on the work, period. I, ne- I didn't set out <laughs> to be an elected official. Otherwise, I probably would have done some things very different in my life. My life has been devoted to fighting for social and economic justice since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And that journey has led me in many different directions. I just happen to be sitting on the inside of this institution now. But if I wasn't on the inside of this institution, I'd be right out there on the streets doing the same thing I've been doing for decades. Also, just along those lines, though, just now that your name has come up, right, I see a lot of the Republicans have been attacking you and questioning your credibility on things and questioning things that you've done in the past, which has to be different for you because you've been working so diligently all these decades, like you said, for our community. But now there's all these attacks. So what has that been like for you? And what are some of the things that you would like to clear up that are narratives that are being put out there? Oh, I'm used to being attacked. (laughs) There's nothing new about that. Uh, If you challenge the system, as I did as a teenager, if you challenge the system, you're going to pay for it, and there are going to be consequences. So I went through a number of years, which, you know, I I mean, I've said this a lot of places, but when I went to George Floyd's um, memorial and I looked up and I saw the year he was born, 1973, that was 47 years ago, That was when I first started working uh, on police abuse. Why? Because I was undergoing tremendous police harassment. Uh, You guys know COINTELPRO. Well, COINTELPRO Jr. was done by our chief of police, Daryl Gates, who harassed us for years. So I'm used to uh, attacks. That doesn't bother me. I keep my eyes on the prize. My life has been devoted to fighting for people, and uh, I'll take what comes how important is it to you that, that uh, Vice President Biden picks a black woman, whether it's you or not? I would obviously love to see that happen. And I think that the African-American women that are under consideration are all dynamite and would all be fantastic. Um, I just think, you know, for all of the years that black women <laughs> have held up the party, the idea of having a black woman on the ticket sends the right message. Now, at the end of the day, we got to get rid of the sucker. And I want to see that happen first and foremost. But I think if there was a black woman on the ticket, I think that would help galvanize the black community. I think that would be very exciting. It's it's not a think, it's a will, okay? Now, now what did you think about the political article, the political article that uh, called you the anti Kamala, because I've never seen them do that with white women. I've never seen Amy Klobuchar described as the anti-Elizabeth Warren. So what do you think of that? Well, I mean, my response was, why are you comparing me with her? Why don't you compare Whitman with Warren? So you might have seen that right after I woke up and saw that article, we tweeted out right away, don't do that. Kamala Harris Mm -hmm. is my friend. We're from the same state. When she was the DA of San Francisco, I was the Speaker of the House in California. We have worked together on criminal justice reform and a lot of issues. And her candidacy for president was historic. I mean, Mm -hmm. you had Shirley Chisholm, and that was viewed, you know, during those years as kind of a symbolic 
uh, campaign. Her campaign was not a symbolic campaign. Her campaign was a righteous campaign. She was a viable candidate, and she made history with that candidacy. Mm -hmm. And so don't call me the anti-Kamala. And I, I said that, and the two of us talked about it the other day. Now, I want to ask you about Joe Biden also. He's had some... So, um, hold on. You, you said you and Kamala spoke about that the other day. How was that conversation? It was good. She said, we ain't doing that. We actually spoke at um, Mr. Lewis's memorial service on the Hill. All right, we got more with Karen Bass coming up, man. But listen, if anybody saw Black is King this weekend on Disney+, Plus, man, drop on the clues bombs for Beyonce, Black is King. Uh, and I... Have something to say. I have to say that uh, there is no reason that Brown Skin Girls isn't the number one song at hip hop and R&B radio. It's kind of embarrassing that it that it isn't. Uh, people really slept on this record when the Lion King soundtrack came out last year, but now that the Blackest King is out and we have a visual for this song, there is no reason for it not to be number one at hip hop and R&B radio. This song makes young black girls feel good. I know it makes my daughters feel good. All right, so let's listen to Brown Skin Girl with Wiz Kid and uh, Saint John. And Blue Ivy on The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Congresswoman Karen Bass Yee. Now, I wanted to ask you about Joe Biden. He's made some missteps on his campaign so far. So what are some things that you think he needs to do besides his VP pick to make sure that people are... Our people are supporting Joe Biden more and, and energized to go out and vote for him, not just because he's not Trump. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I think is so challenging is the way we have to do this now. You know what I mean? Because, see, I think one of the things about Biden that is really important in this time period, I truly believe that he is authentic, that he cares about people. I, I really do believe that. And I think that authenticity is going to be extremely difficult on a screen. And so I am hoping that in some kind of way we can figure out how to have that human interaction, but have it safely. And then I think him, you know, committing to the policies that he's talking about now um, that are policies that are really important for our folks and the number one policy the number one thing has to be COVID. We can't get a hold of the economy. And I think him going out and talking about how he's going to be able to prevent people from dying. And one of the things uh, that I think he can and should talk about is Ebola. He why why Ebola? Be, because Ebola could have been a horrific pandemic. Mm-hmm. And Obama and Biden stopped that. Why did they stop it and how did they stop it? It's because we were respected around the world at that time. And Mm. they were able to galvanize the world to stop it, and it didn't even spread in Africa. And I think he could use that as an example of what he participated in and how he could use some of those same strategies to get a handle on COVID. Now, Kanye West, does he scare you at all? Oh, shut up. We're not with him running. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're not doing Hold on. I got a question for you. I got a question. Now, do you think with, with him doing that, that, that what's, what's the word I'm looking for? It makes things difficult for people out there because some people might really say, okay, I'm going to vote for him. Do you find that being difficult and, and, and distraction? That's the word I'm looking for. No, and for a very practical reason. It's kind of late to get on the ballot. Duh. That's it. It's mm-hmm. not even real. Listen, 
as a black person, a black woman, when you hear things like Senator Harris has no remorse for what she did to Joe Biden in the debates, or she's not loyal, she's she's too ambitious, she really wants to be president. What what do you what do you think that's code for? Oh well, I mean that's I, I, aside from racial code, it's gender code. I mean we both experienced that. I remember when she was PA in San Francisco and I was speaker. You know, people wondered whether or not I would have the capacity to deal with it. And I remember her being attacked because she had a specific position on the death penalty. And it was like five minutes after she got elected, they were trying to go after her because a police officer got killed and she would not call for the death penalty. So then, oh, she's weak. She's a woman. You know, so I think it's it's a racial and gender code. Uh, I think it's primarily gender but I think, you know, the two of us are very used to that. I think we, you know, keep going. Off. <laughs> yeah, why does she why does she have to have remorse? Like I don't understand why people are upset about her calling out Biden's record. Like if we're if we're going against Trump, shouldn't we want somebody who's not afraid to stand up to old white men? Oh, ab- ab- absolutely. And you know, I, I don't know. I think that uh I think Kamala has been doing just fine. I think she needs to keep doing what she's doing. Are you concerned about the voting process and voter suppression yes. and what's going to happen in the upcoming election? And what can we do? Yes. yes, I'm terrified about it. And let me tell you why. Because now, I mean, they've always done voter suppression, right? But now they're making people risk their lives to vote. I mean, what happened in Wisconsin? <laughs> people went out, they made them line up, and 50 people caught COVID. So now one of the things that the Republicans have always used is mail-in voting. That's always been their strategy. Our strategy has been door knocking. So now that we want to use mail-in vote to keep people safe, people should be able to vote from home, now they don't want to have it happen. So the Black Caucus, we did this posting where we said the ultimate voter suppression, and we had a picture of a coffin because we don't know how many of those 154,000 are black and brown, right? Mm-hmm. But they were all a voting age. <laughs> and so I worry that they're going to make people risk their lives in order to vote. And that's what we have to that's what we have to fight. But here's the thing. When we organize, when we get mad because they don't want us to vote, we tend to want to vote more. When we organize, we win. Whose idea was it to let all those white people dress like they was going to the Black Panther premiere? Like, why did y'all have white condo on the hill? Kente cloth and taking the knee. That was your idea? idea? Yep. <laughs> Why? You know, last year, in the 400th anniversary of our arrival here, we took a trip to Africa. Speaker Pelosi led that trip. The president of Ghana gave her Kente. What we have been doing in the Black Caucus for the last several years is we have worn Kente at different ceremonial events. And so for us to wear Kente at a historic introduction of a policing bill that has never happened before, a bill that was composed of bills that the Black Caucus members had been working on for years, we wore Kente. She wore hers. She had been given it by the president of Ghana. Now, it was a little issue when the Black Caucus members had it. And then the white members that were there in solidarity, it was kind of hard to say, well, you can't have it. And so that's why that happened. Now, I know it blew up on black Twitter, and I know we got a donkey. (laughs) You gave me a donkey. 
I saw that dunk. It, 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 it was more so for white Conda. Because I think the critique for me was I didn't I didn't care about the symbolism. I cared more about the substance of the bill y'all were passing. You know, that's right. that's what we want. We want we right. want actual legislation. I don't care about the song and the dance. Right, but listen, if I do something that's a problem, I take responsibility. And I okay. know that people saw that as a problem. I didn't. I mean, Africa is one of the main reasons why I'm here. I chair the Africa subcommittee. One of my big focuses, aside from dealing with the issues of black people here, is dealing with our relationship on the continent. And one thing that I've tried to do is to try to build our ties and to try to educate people about U.S.-Africa relations. So when it is a memorial service, like for Elijah Cummings, when we go to the State of the Union to kind of, you know, make our point across to the president that referred to African countries as whole countries, we display our African roots with pride, and that's yeah. what that was about. Because it probably pisses them off. I, I get it. So, so when are you going to teach Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer how to do the electric slide? Are you, you, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Nancy Pelosi knows how to do the electric slide. I don't believe you. Now you're going too far. I don't believe you. I, I don't. She does. <laughs> yes, when has she, she done the electric slide? When? Every every time every time we have a caucus retreat. Put it on Instagram does. or it didn't happen. Put it on Instagram or it didn't happen. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna tell her that. I'm gonna tell her we're gonna take a picture of her the next time. <laughs> what about the what about to. the cha What about the cha cha slide though? I don't know about that. <laughs> but I know about the electric she, slide. Because I've seen it. <laughs> what about the Crip Walk? You you're from Cali now. What about the Crip Walk? Oh my goodness. Yeah, oh my I goodness. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. You know how to you you not a Crip Walk? I didn't say I knew how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> she said she know about but it. I know what it is. Well, great right. talking to you, um, Miss Bass. And you know, if you become the vice president, I wouldn't I don't think I would be mad at that at all. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. I've wanted to do this show for a long time, so it's great talking to you. We appreciate you, you and the work much. that you have been doing and will continue to do. So thank you. All okay. right. It's Congresswoman okay. Karen Bass. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Nicki Minaj. Listen up. It's just in. All the guys. Guys. The rumor report. Guys. With Angela, Angela Yee. It's The Rumor Report. The Breakfast Club. Well, good news for Nicki Minaj and her husband, Kenneth Petty. He does have permission to be there for the baby's birth. As you know, he had to submit legal documents, and he asked a judge to modify the terms of his pretrial release conditions. He wanted to make sure that he could travel with Nicki on business as her manager and also be there when the baby is born. So according to the documents, now he will have that permission. He can be in the room when she gives birth. The judge did grant his request to tweak his pretrial release conditions so that he can travel. That's right. I'm happy for him because yeah, I'm glad nothing, he like being in, nothing like being in the delivery room uh, when, when, you're, when your beautiful children come on this planet. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Happy for that. All right. And another relationship news, Alicia Keys and Swiss Beats are celebrating 10 years together. She posted a picture of them and she said, you always make me smile. You make me laugh and think and grow and dream and reach and stretch. And I am in awe of our love. Ten joints. It's so fast because it's so much fun and so true and real and genuine. I adore you. He replied, it feels like ten weeks. Wow, wow, wow. Let's keep going, queen. Love you. Salute to black love. I saw a video that Swiss posted and Swiss 
They were dancing outside, and he was like live from Mars. My dumb ass thought they was in Mars for a second. Did you really? Swiss and Alicia might have. I said Swiss and Alicia might have Mars money for real. They got some. They got Mars money. They got Mars money. They got Mars money though. I think they got. I think they got can spend a weekend on Mars money. I do. Mm -hmm. I do. I do. But it wasn't Mars. I think it was. I, I don't know where it was, but it did look like Mars. He also posted one full decade of love and life. Wow, never raised our voice at each other in 10 years. Wow. Thank you for everything, my love. You're truly everything, my love. All right, now, uh, Tamar Braxton, in the meantime, is doing a tribute to her boyfriend. She opened up about how he's been by her side no matter what is going on in her life. She said, I came here just to say this and that I'm logging off. If you have ever been in recovery or treatment, you know that you reflect on a lot of things. So I couldn't let another day, another second go by without publicly thanking my love, David Adafeso, for saving my life. She said, I'm so grateful. I was in our home lifeless, and I'm sure finding me that way you did, that way you did couldn't have been easy. Uh, but know that people coming out at you and saying all this crazy stuff isn't easy for me. People have called you every name in the book to deflect from what's really going on through this entire time. You have held my hand, heard my cries, held me when I've been weak. You have had my entire back. I couldn't imagine what life would be like if you weren't by my side. Thank God I'm here and thank God for you. Yeah, I'm glad you're okay, Tamar. And I'm glad that you had your, a support system around you like that brother to hold you down. So salute to you. Sending you nothing but love, light, and positive energy. Now, WeTV had also released a statement saying that they are letting her go and they want her to focus on her mental well-being. And they said, we wish her nothing but the best as she focuses on her health and recovery at what is clearly a difficult and personal time. We will work with her representatives to honor her request to end all future work for the network. Well, she responded, lies. No one has talked to a lawyer or to me, sent a flower or card, texted me or Nan. This hey. is the abuse and lies I am talking about. This is not helping my mental state. They just won't stop until they see me out of my mind or dead. Why would WeTV even post something like that at a time like this? That's tone deaf as hell. Like, you know what I'm saying? That is a conversation that they should be having with the lawyers behind the scene. And when the announcement is to be made that she's parting ways, let Tamar make it, not you. What the hell's wrong with y'all? All right, and Kim Kardashian is shutting down rumors that she gave Kanye an ultimatum over their marriage. Uh, a lot of people are saying that she went to go visit him, confronted him. We saw the pictures of her crying in the car. She said none of this is true, except that this is obviously a difficult time. So she's saying that's not true. She's not giving any ultimatums. All right, and Takashi 69 is free and out and about. He was actually in Manhattan in Midtown eating some ice cream, walking around. Here's what he said on video. Why did I choose to cooperate a snitch if I'm going to live my life in fear? That's a choice I made to keep my life. I'm not going to snitch, come home, and die and hide on a rock and be depressed. People expect me to be depressed. People expect me to, to just stop whatever I'm doing, and you bugging. People always say, yo, 6ix9ine got security with him. What's the problem with security? Now, in addition to that, his girlfriend has announced that she's pregnant, Jade. She put, I'm pregnant here by I am Jonathan, outfit posh by V. So, I thought Black and King it. was dope, yo. Did y'all see it? <laughs> Like Just keeping y'all updated. And one thing that <laughs> broke the one thing in last relationship story I want to give this morning, one thing that broke the net over the weekend, Lenny Kravitz wishing Jason Momoa a happy birthday. Now that is Lisa Bonet's ex, along with her uh her current husband, Momoa. And, you know, everybody was going crazy when they saw the picture of the two of them together and they were saluting Lisa Bonet for having these two fine men. And Lisa Bonet is pretty fine herself. And so they were saying that is how it's done. 
I'm not, you know, I wasn't mad at <laughs> that it. because you know what that showed me? That showed me that women think just like men because it's not like we don't salute guys who have, you know, a nice resume, all right? When we see certain guys and they've been with certain women, we salute them like, wow, mm-hmm. good job. So, yeah. Lisa so you like to resume. Saluted. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Nothing. Yeah, keep going. I'm listening. Hey, those are two good-looking men. But um, my, my point <laughs> is, Mr. okay, my point is, yes, we do that to guys all the time. We salute the commons of the world. And uh, who else got a nice little resume that we've saluted? Common is definitely always at the top of the list. Common's had a you nice know, but I resume. think... And, and deeper than that, the fact that the two of them are in a picture together and Lenny Kravitz is wishing him a happy 41st birthday is really dope. It shows a blended family, really getting along, yeah. and the respect we they have for Diddy. each other. When you see Diddy mm-hmm. with, all, with all the mothers of his children, we salute Diddy. It was like, wow, mm-hmm. Diddy really got it put together. We do. Yeah. Oh, yes. I like to see it go both ways. All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your Rumor Report. All right. Thank you, like Missy. <laughs> Nothing, man. That's crazy. As soon as I said I'd like to see how it goes both ways, this guy looks at me all crazy through the phone. Don't look at me through the phone like that, bro. I'm serious. Don't look at me through the phone. Nothing. I felt like I started to hear Soldier Boy and Sammy play. You were kissing me through the phone or something. Don't do that. As soon as you looked at me, I heard that. He just caught me on guard. He said, I, I like it both ways. It just shocked oh, me. God. All right. So good. Yeah, they're two good-looking men. There you go. Okay. So who are you giving your donkey to this morning, Charlemagne? You know, I've been thinking about this all weekend, man. Um, I need Bill Clinton to come to the front of the congregation. I'd like to have a word with him. This has been on my mind all weekend. I think it's a good teachable moment, so we will discuss uh, four after the hour why Bill Clinton is getting donkey today. Can't disrespect our ancestors. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. This don't be a donkey, because right now you want some real donkey shots. It's time for Donkey of the Day. So if you ever feel I need to be a donkey, man, hit me with the heat. Did she get donkey of the day? Please tell me. Absolutely. I have become donkey of the day. The Breakfast Club, bitches. You're a donkey. Donkey of the day for Monday, August 3rd, goes to the 42nd president of the United States of America, Bill Clinton. Now, if you saw the funeral for Representative John Lewis last week, uh, then you you saw him eulogized by former President Bill Clinton. He was one of three former presidents to eulogize the great John Lewis, uh, President Barack Obama and President George W. Bush were the others. Well, during the eulogy, Bill Clinton decided to reference when Congressman John Lewis lost his chairman position and the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee to a great freedom fighter, a former Black Panther, a philosopher, a man who didn't believe in nonviolence. He believed in black power, the late Kwame Tor, formerly and maybe most commonly known as Stokely Carmichael. Uh, I can't lie. This has been bothering me all weekend. Let's listen to what Bill Clinton had to say about Mr. Carmichael. Just three years later, he lost the leadership of SNCC to Stokely Carmichael. Because he said, you know, I'd really, I mean, it was a pretty good job for a guy that young and come from Troy, Alabama. It must have been painful to lose, but he showed as a young man, there are some things that you cannot do to hang on to a position, because if you do them, you won't be who you are anymore. And I say there were two or three years there where the movement went a little bit too far towards Stokely, but in the end, John Lewis prevailed. The mayonnaise is heavy on this one. In fact, this isn't even edible. Okay, there is no salvaging this potato salad. Throw it away. 
Just dump the whole thing in the trash. Who in the hell let Bill Clinton make the potato salad? In fact, that might not even be mayonnaise. That might be one of the ingredients used to make babies because Bill is a wild boy. Okay, but here's the thing. When it comes to our great black leaders, uh, black people who have stood on the front lines against white supremacy in this country, I don't give a damn about what a white person thinks in regards on how they chose to fight. I don't give a damn if Bill Clinton appreciated Congressman, Congressman John Lewis's way of doing things over Mr. Stokely Carmichael's. Of course he would prefer Congressman John Lewis's over Stokely's. It's simple. If you were going to run down on someone... Okay, who would you run down on? The person that you know is not going to fight you back? The person who believes in peaceful, nonviolent protests? Are you going to run down on the person who's screaming black power and letting you know you got guns, I got guns too? Okay, it's simple math, baby. I'm sure you would choose the path of least resistance, and that path would have been through Congressman John Lewis. See, it's good trouble, and then it's those Negroes got guns trouble. They didn't want trouble with the Negroes with guns. So, of course, Bill Clinton and other white men, I'm sure, wanted the civil rights movement to go more John Lewis than Stokely Carmichael, okay? But here's the thing. Don't pit those brothers against each other because they both were necessary. Mr. Lewis's nonviolent strategy was just as necessary as Mr. Kwame's black power strategy. I don't care what a person's method is as long as the goal is the same. If the goal is the liberation of black people, true equality for black people, I don't care how we get there. And it's not one path that's going to get us there. Okay, so they both were necessary. But of course, white people would only be comfortable with one. And it's not a coincidence that they would choose the method that allows them to hit and not get hit back. But both are necessary. Because I believe in a mean inside-outside game. And when white folks don't want to deal with the radical brothers and sisters on the outside, then they sit down with the peaceful brothers and sisters on the inside in hopes that they can make some deals with them. It will calm down the more radical ones, okay? Not to mention, it shouldn't matter who you, as a white man, approve of more. You don't get to tell us how to protest. You don't get to tell us how to fight for our equal rights and civil liberties. What you need to be asking yourself is, why was there a need for a civil rights movement to begin with? Imagine looking down on the way Stokely Carmichael did things. Imagine judging Stokely Carmichael because he chose uh, aggression over nonviolence, okay? While this country, this society, literally is as violent as it can possibly be to black people. <laughs> the caucasity to judge. Did you see what happened to the Honorable John Lewis on the Edmund Pettus Bridge? Not to mention all the bombings of homes during that time, uh, the, the lynchings, the assassinations of our great black leaders. Oh, and not to mention the systemic racism, oppression, and marginalization. Yesterday would have been James Baldwin's 96th born day. So I was watching, you know, I Am Not Your Negro for the millionth time. I don't, I don't know if you've seen it, Bill, but you should watch it. It's James Baldwin's take on three different murders, <laughs> three different freedom fighters, Medgar Evans, Malcolm X, and Martin Luther King Jr., all of them got clapped. All of them got killed. So who gives a damn what method you like? Because the truth is, all white people back then was on go. All right? It didn't matter if you was nonviolent or with the smoke. If you were fighting for the liberation of black people, they wanted you dead, period. They just prefer that when they knuck, you don't buck. Because then that decreases the casualties on their side, okay? They don't give a damn about your black ass. Listen, black people, all oppressed people that can hear my voice, don't ever let someone who doesn't understand your struggle tell you how to fight. Don't ever let your oppressor tell you what they approve of when it comes to your liberation. 
because we wouldn't have even needed a civil rights movement to begin with if America really was the land of liberty, freedom, and justice for all. But brothers like Stokely, who tried the nonviolent approach, got smart and realized that they prefer self-preservation over nonviolence. They got tired of getting hit upside their damn head. Okay, when you keep knocking, it's only a matter of time before we get to bucking. Now, even Congressman John Lewis wouldn't agree with President Clinton because in a 1998 tribute to Kwame Tor, Congressman John Lewis paid homage to Kwame Tor. Listen. My friend, my brother, my colleague, Mr. Chairman, I salute you tonight because of your courage and your great strength. You know, I had the great blessing because I serve as chair of SNCC from June 1963 to May of 1966. During the time of the March on Washington, Mississippi summer, and the march from Selma to Montgomery. So Stokely, you are a warrior because you dare to stand up and speak truth to power. And so tonight I come to say thank you, Brother Stokely. Thank you, Brother Teray. That's right, man. Drop on the clues bombs for you know uh, uh, two black brothers respecting each other. Okay, black people. Kwame Tor, Stokely Carmichael once said, the first need of a free people is to define their own terms. You're not free if you're letting white folks define your terms and tell you who should lead and how to lead. Mind your business, President Clinton. Please let Remy Ma give the 42nd president of the United States, Bill Clinton, the biggest hee-haw. Hee-haw, hee-haw, you stupid motherfucker! are you dumb? All the right. The audacity of these people, man. The unmitigated gall. Who do they do? Who? The unmitigated, pale-faced, ghostly gall. Mm. To tell, to, to, to judge Stokely Carmichael for the way he chose to do things when this country has been violent to black people since day one. <laughs> Why they get the knuck but we can't buck? Come on, man. All right, Charlamagne, thank you for that donkey of the day. You know what's crazy? I had a dream last night about Bill Clinton and Joe Biden. We were like in a church, but you know, I, I, it was more like a kingdom hall because you know I grew up in the kingdom hall. My mom was a Jehovah Witness. I grew up mm-hmm. a Jehovah Witness, and it, it felt like the kingdom hall. And Bill, I was sitting next to President Clinton, and he he said something to Joe Biden about me, and Joe Biden said something smart. So I leaned over and said, "Well, f you too." And then President Clinton, Joe looked at me crazy. President Clinton said, "Well, you kind of deserve that, Joe." It was weird. It was. I had that dream last night. All right. Two. You dreaming about two old white men? Right. I don't like how you. I don't like how you. I see. Me. I see the mood that you're in this morning. I see that mood that you're in. All right. Well, again, thank you for that donkey today. When we come back, we have Roy Jones Jr. joining us. Of course, he's supposed to fight Mike Tyson, so we'll kick it with Roy Jones. So don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest on the line right now. Yes, sir. Roy Jones. Junior. What up, brother? Man, man, Roy, I'm blessed, black, and highly favored. Man, I've been I've been arguing about you all weekend long, man. Cause cause ever <laughs> since the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones fight was announced. It, it, it seems like it's just a level of disrespect on social media for Roy Jones Jr. Like, like I said on the radio last week, I said Roy Jones has had a, a better boxing career than Mike Tyson, and he was a better boxer than Mike Tyson. And they acted like I said uh, God wasn't real or something like that. They was that 
I didn't know that. I didn't know that was ever a debate. People are crazy. You can't pay people much attention. It's got to focus on what you do and keep it pushing. You know what I mean? So why why did you decide to do this fight? Why did you decide to to fight Mike Tyson right now? Two reasons. Two reasons. A, when I won the heavyweight title, the only heavyweight I said I would have stayed heavyweight to fight would have been Mike Tyson. At that time, Mike had recently retired, and Mike said he was done with boxing. So people said, no, Roy was off money to fight Mike back. No, 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 no. Mike said he was done with boxing, so I let it go. I went back down to light heavyweight. So at this point in time, we got COVID. We got everybody stuck in the house. We got like, putting out good videos and getting a lot of good responses from it. So everybody jump up. I want to fight White Mike. I want to fight Mike. I want to fight Mike. Why they want to fight Mike? Because Mike getting so much attention. But on my own, I'm just doing my little training video where I'm training some of my people, not really putting them up a lot. And I'm getting a lot of attention as well. So somehow Mike figured he called me because he knew I was always the easiest person to make a fight with. I don't duck dodge nothing. So you call Roy and he's like, look, we don't want no boxing promoters. We don't want no boxing managers. We don't even want no boxing lawyers. We just want to put you and Mike in the ring and let you and Mike eat off what y'all make. And y'all can give a lot of charity. I was like, you know what? That's not a bad idea. And I did see how good Mike looking on the on the videos. So I'm like, okay. Um, I know I'm the lighter guy. And I also felt like because I'm light, they know that, you know, it's probably a little bit less risky for him as well because I'm smaller than him. So they felt like, well, let's take Roy. So Roy has the name. Roy has everything. Roy's still active. Roy can move like hell. So if you can't catch Roy early, you're going to have problems. But Roy also can punch. Yeah, I respect that with Mike Tyson actually doing the fight with you because, like you said, you have already been training people all this time. You have the gym. You fought two years ago, so you're not rusty. Because I see a lot of people talking about, oh, it's going to be dangerous. I saw George Foreman saying that. So how do you respond when people say, well, you know, this could end badly. This could be dangerous. What do you say to that? Then you can walk out your door and come in contact with the wrong person, and that could be dangerous because you can end up with COVID-19 and be up out of here. <laughs> so, I mean, how God got for you to go, you're going to go anyway. So what's the deal? What, what am I losing out on? So if I did that or if I just went somewhere and called COVID and went, at least doing this, I went like I want to go. So what's the difference? I really choose my fate if I could. They told me, you probably going to get killed. We're good. I would die like this and then catch COVID and die. Now, Roy, 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 I got a feeling you wanted, you do want to go in the ring. like Because I always wonder, do you think staying around too long hurt your legacy? Uh, it didn't really hurt my legacy. What it is, people have to understand. What you judge is you judge on the way up to the heavyweight division, mm-hmm. and the one drop down, then you stop because that's what that's what my goal was. After I quit going with my goals, which was after I won the light heavyweight title, that's when my career started to decline. But I didn't have goals, and I didn't realize that I was doing this because people love to see it and people want to see me do it, so I did it. But before then, I was always goal driven, and Tyson was in my goal driven mindset. He was in my plan for my goals. So when I won the heavyweight title. I say I'll fight Tyson, and he the only person I'll fight as a heavyweight. Then I'll come back down and win the light heavyweight title. Then I'll be done. But when I had a hard time because of the weight loss, people wanted to see another fight, so I did that, and I kept on going and kept on going. Well, I should have stopped there. But in some people's minds, it could have hurt the legs, but if you go back and look at it, nobody ever turned professional as a junior middleweight and became heavyweight champion of the world. And nothing they could do about that. They can try to say, oh, his legs are this and No, pound for pound, nobody in the sport of boxing, ever covered pound for pound as much weight as I covered. I was saying I went from 154 to a guy that weighed 228. That's a lot of damn weight. So you're doing eight rounds. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are, so what are the 
rules for this because it is different, right? They call they're calling it an exhibition. So what's the rules? Is there headgear? Because I see them discussing, oh, they should wear headgear. No, headgear. But they should be. They should have made it wear sixteen ounce gloves. But they made it for twelve ounce gloves and no headgear. Twelve ounce gloves in, but two ounces bigger than the regular gloves we fight in anyway. So that's just like a fighting glove. So sixteen ounce barn gloves, you're going to do exhibition, would have sounded a little bit more exhibitionist to me. Twelve ounce gloves does not sound like an exhibition to me. And headgear don't do nothing to protect you from cuts anyway. Headgear don't protect you from no concussions or nothing, right? Uh, and make your head bigger, give you a bigger target for him to hit. So I'd rather not have headgear. So what kind of money do you stand to make from this fight, you and Mike? And where is some of that money going? Some of that money will go to breast cancer. Some of that money will go, go to uh, human trafficking. Uh, some of that money will go to big brothers, big sisters. There's a lot of places it's going to go. Um, so I'm not really concerned about how much we make. I'm just so happy that Mike chose me to go in the ring with. And I always wanted to see, even in my older days, what it would be like being up with Mike. Because Mike was one of the most exciting hitways of all time. Now, I read, I read Jay Prince's book, the, uh, the Art and Science of Respect, and he spoke on how he tried to make this fight happen a long time ago. Why do you think it didn't happen back then? And he did. He tried to make it happen, but he, they told, Mike told, Mike people told him at the time, I don't know if he forgot it, but Mike people told him that they, Mike was through with boxing, Mike didn't want to fight no more. So I said, okay, and I left it alone. Now, somebody else came along and said that, somebody said something about, they offered me 40 million, man, come on, bro. I ain't get for me to fight the dude I fought for the heavyweight title. I got way less than that to fight him. And he was just, as, in my opinion, just as dangerous at that time as anybody else was in the heavyweight division. So if you did offer me double or triple what I had made to fight that dude to fight Mike, and I wanted to fight Mike, you think I'm going to say no? This Roy. Oh, ain't going to say no, no. So, no. I, I tried. my What I got back was he didn't want to box the most, so I went back and did what I had to do. All right, we got more with Roy Jones Jr. When we come back, let's get into his single. You remember this single? Y'all must have forgot. It's the Breakfast Club. Right. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. That was Roy Jones' single. Y'all must have forgot. Roy Jones is here. Yee. Now, I got to ask you, are you going to have any artists walk you out in the ring? I'll never forget when Roy Jones performed <laughs> before his fight. Y'all must have forgot. Y'all must have so forgot. <laughs> What's going to be happening when you go into the ring? I don't know yet this time because they're also going to have some artists to perform on the show because it's really a big event that they bring in this time. It's not like normal boxing. So it's going to be like, I think there'll be two or three acts on the show, major acts. I can't reveal them yet. So um, if somebody like that is there and they got a hot song and it gives my blood pumping, why not? You know, Roy, when you went up to heavyweight, and then came back down to lightweight. How much How much of that you think diminished your skill set? Wait, the muscle loss, I lost 25 pounds of muscle, and it really messed my body up more than I thought it would. But the first fight to win the title, which is what I had, which was goal-driven, my heart went out and won that fight still. And that's why I tell people when you got goals or when you're goal-driven, you're a different athlete than you are when you're not goal-driven. How do you win this fight? I heard you say earlier that it, Mike would have to catch you early. So, in your mind, what's the strategy to beating Mike Tyson right now? In my mind, the strategy is to move around, box him for the first two or three rounds, make him use his legs a little bit. Then the last five rounds, try to see can you outbox him. And you know, he's always dangerous, but you got to try to outbox him. You hit the mouth, sometimes it might call you to stand right there and go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. I don't know. So, you never can tell what happened. And depending on how hard he hits in the mouth, he hits in the mouth hard. You definitely want to go toe-to-toe because -to -toe you're going to want to get your lick back. So, who knows? 
Now you retired two years ago. Have you been training since your retirement? Have you still been in the gym? Because, you know, we seen Tyson did gain a lot of weight, so we seen Tyson wasn't fit. Now he's starting to get back in shape. Have you been staying? You stay training? Yeah, I stay kind of fit. Uh, I went up to coach probably 225 as high as I went. But I came back down because I stayed training my fighters, and I had to stay active because I had to be able to show them things. And every now and then, one or two of them might want to come in and show them how it goes in the ring. For real, they might not believe what I tell them. So I just show them what I tell them. So I do stay active, and I have been staying pretty active for this last two years, yes. Now, when you fight Tyson, you know, people will say, okay, you guys are both over 50 years old. They'll be taking it easy on each other. Is there any taking it easy, or you just go, oh, you going for blood? Like, you going to knock Tyson the f- out? <laughs> I ain't taking it easy on nobody. And Tyson don't know how to take it easy on nobody. So I know he don't know how to take ease on nobody. So why would I prepare to take ease on him? Do you have a relationship with Mike Tyson? Not really. Never have historically? Never sat around and kicked it, anything like that? In China. <laughs> uh, neither one of us spoke Chinese, so it really wasn't a lot we said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, you know, Roy, I, I know you train people. And uh, I was telling somebody this weekend, Roy Jones Jr. was like the Patrick Mahomes of boxing. Like, he, he did things in that ring. People never saw a boxer do. So is it possible to teach somebody to do what you used to do? I don't know if you can teach that. I don't try to teach that. That that comes directly from above. I don't know if I, I don't try to teach that. I just try to teach them to understand boxing the way I understood it, but all the other stuff, that's on them. Well, the fight is happening on <laughs> September 12th. Where can people watch everything leading up to the fight and then the actual fight? A lot of it, you got to download this app called Triller. They got everything on Triller. Then they will have also the fight on the pay-per-view or in demand. Now, you mentioned uh, Tyson, you mentioned yourself, then you mentioned Floyd Mayweather. Who's the next boxer you checking out that you really like that that's, you think is going to take the torch to the next 10 years? It's hard to say because there are a lot of good boxers out there right now, but I haven't seen anybody really rise to the top. Or I have seen a few come close, but right now, Canelo's the man. You know what I'm saying? But the showmanship and the 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 added the it factor that we had, I haven't seen that yet, but there's a kid coming up by the name of Teofimo Lopez and a kid by the name of Devin Haney. These oh, two kids right. have to be watched. One of, those, one of those guys may end up having that it factor, but we got to see. Yeah, I like. I mean, I like guys like Earl Spence. I like guys like Terrence Crawford. I love Canelo, but I, I understand what you're saying about the, the showmanship. At the end of the day, it's still a yes. show. Like, like I always said, if Adrian Cronin was a better boxer, he'd be the biggest thing in the sport. Right now. Right now, if he was better boxer and knew how to tone it down, just leave it on TV, he'd be the biggest thing going to boxing right now. Hey, what about body headbanger records, man? That that's that's shut down. Five two on the way right now. Five <laughs> two on the way. It's already done, actually. It's just going to come out right now. Why the iron is hot? I'm going to strike right now. You still rapping too, Roy? Oh, come on, oh, girl. You know, <laughs> you know, I don't stop. You know me. I don't stop. If I'm still fighting, I'm still rapping. <laughs> what, 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 what 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 about rapping brings you joy? Like what, like what what about that? makes you feel good? I really just enjoy the energy that it gives you and the fact that you can say what you want to say and really ain't nobody can say nothing about it. Because once you say it and put it on rap, ain't nothing they can do about it. It's out there. <laughs> All right. Well, Roy, we appreciate you, man, and be safe out there. And we look forward to seeing you and Tyson in that ring. Yes, sir. You know, you're be safe, win, so may the best man win in this fight, September 12th. I can't wait because I'm so excited to see what it's going to feel like to take the first punch from Mike. You know what I mean? Because after that first punch... Boom, game on. Why do you like pain, Roy? I got a feeling you like pain. It ain't that I like pain. I like challenges, brother. I love challenges. All right. Well, we appreciate you. Good luck again. Roy Jones Jr. (laughs) Breakfast Club. Good morning. 
The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Master P and J. Cole. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee. Rumor has it. On The Breakfast Club. So listen up. Well, Master P and J. Cole are collaborating. They did a Puma commercial together, and here's what it sounds like. You can't be serious. I know you ain't about to try to do what I think you about to try to do. Cause that would be crazy. Knock it down, can't you shoot? And you ain't crazy, is you? So I mean, good. what's the odds? I know you got more sense than that, young blood. Good. Make sure you go on. Make sure Hold you go on. up. Get up, get up. Ah. I think the home is really trying to do it. No, game winner. I love it. That's perfection right there. If you assert now, according to Master history, then you remember Master P making the Charlotte Hornets and Toronto Raptors and playing in the preseason for both of them. So you know why that commercial is so dope. Great commercial. Mm-hmm. Well, according to Master P, Jake Cole is trying to get in the NBA. And here's what he had to say to TMZ Sports. Yeah, so uh, when I talked to Jake Cole, he was like, you know, big dog, you did it. And uh, what do you think I would have to do to make that happen? I said, you really, to get one of these NBA jerseys, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a lot of hate. It's going to be a lot of people not believing in you. But, you know, J. Cole, he got the right size. He in the gym. I'm not mad at that. I mean, J. Cole's a very successful uh, rap superstar. So he wants to do some other things in his life. If, if making an NBA team is one of them, why not? Why, why can't he attempt to do that? Right. Go for and it. They said he gets busy. They said he gets busy in basketball. I, I've never seen him play, but they said he's nice. Yeah, he Why actually could have been. In the, he could have played basketball for real, but he chose to pursue his hip hop career. So, why doesn't Mitchell and Ness put out the Master P jersey? By the way, like right now would be a great time to do that, especially with the No Limit documentary out there. Like, why don't they put out the Master P Charlotte Hornets jersey or the, uh, the Percy Miller Toronto Raptors jersey? Why not? That'd be a good one. I'm not sure. Well, speaking of things coming out, there's going to be a Supreme Air Jordan 1, and that's going to come out in 2021. So I wonder how much that's going to go for <laughs> online. You know, those are going to be hard to get. They actually, they look pretty nice, though. All right, when Snoop Dogg was on The Breakfast Club, he revealed his top 10 rapper. Well, he didn't reveal his list, but he talked about Eminem not being in his top 10. Listen to this. He has probably put Eminem in a position where he could be labeled as one of the top 10 rappers ever. I don't think so, but the game feels like he's, top 10 lyricists and all that that comes with it, but that's just because he's with Dr. Dre, and Dr. Dre helped him find the best Eminem that he could find. Now he's revealed what his top 10 MCs list of all time is. Did y'all look at the list? Yeah, I've seen the list. He said Slick Rick, Ice Cube, LL, KRS-One, Rakim, Run from Rum, DMC, and then he said D from DMC. From DMC, yep. <laughs> Big Daddy Kane, Ice-T, and Too Short. I'm not mad at that. Like, why do people get so mad about other people's top tens list? That's Snoop Dogg's personal top ten list. Shoot, Ghostface Killer is my favorite rapper of all time. So your top ten is subjective. It's personal. Like, I don't understand why people get so upset about those things. Snoop said, uh, a lot of people have been crying about me leaving people off my top ten without even seeing my ish. So here it is. FYI, notice how none of my peers or MCs after me are on the list. Respect your G's is what I was taught. If you offended, you'll get over it. I got left off a lot of top tens. I don't see nothing wrong I with his list. Problem. I don't see. I don't see why people are so upset. Like, yes, that's his personal top ten. I don't see mm-hmm. the problem. And he even acknowledged that yo, a lot of people have Eminem in their top ten. He just don't have him in his. Right. Hey, I'm not gonna argue with somebody on who their top ten list is. Not at no, all. Oh, for what? All right, Cardi B is joining OnlyFans. 
How about it? She said, I'm doing a partnership with OnlyFans. Every time someone starts a rumor, I'll be addressing it there. What else should I post besides rumors and behind the scenes? Maybe a video of me cleaning my home with my nails. <laughs> I don't know how she does smart. anything with her nails. Smart? No, that's very smart. Reason, I'm not mad at that. The reason that's smart is because, you know, these people, we, we give away so much free content and you're making so much other people rich via Twitter and Instagram and whatever else it is. So if you want to hear me respond about something, come over to OnlyFans and pay for it. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't mad at that. She about to get so paid on OnlyFans just off that. And like I always been telling people from the beginning, OnlyFans does not mean that you're naked. Some people are, yes. And some people make a lot of money with their clothes on, as I've been saying from the beginning. So, yeah. all right. I mean, and I might young- need to introduce Body to something else. There's, some, there's another platform out there that's pretty good. I'm not going to give the secret away yet, but... Uh, I'm going to have to hit Barty up and tell her. Okay, and Young Dolph is giving away a brand new car. He's giving away a Lamborghini. Here's what he said. Sick of stunting. I want to let somebody else stunt. Who want it? Come and get it. So all you got to do is purchase any product that includes Rich Slave. That's his, that's his album. And, yeah, he has all kinds of merch. And then you could possibly win. All right, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right, thank you, Miss Yee. Now, um, shout to Revolt. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Everybody else, the People's Choice mixes up next. Get your request in. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Now, we got a shout to Roy Jones Jr. for joining us this morning. Yes. yes the fight is when? September 12th? Is that the fight? Yeah, I believe. Yep. And also, uh, shout to Karen Bass for joining us this morning as well. Yes. Congresswoman and Karen keep- Bass. We keep telling y'all, make sure you guys register to vote. Make sure you go out there and vote. It's important to know who the candidates are. It's important to know the issues and the policies that each person supports. So shout out to Levi's. They're teaming up with Rock the Vote to help get as many people as possible registered and ready to vote this fall. That's right. You just got to text Levi's to 788-683 to get registered. You could find out key dates and voting how-tos from Rock the Vote. All right? When we come back, we got the positive and listen, notes. Did y'all, did, y'all watch, mm-hmm. did y'all watch Black is King this weekend? We haven't talked about that this morning. Did y'all watch Black no, is King? No, we didn't King talk about Black is King. I seen a piece of it. I didn't really get to see it. I've been running around with the kids all weekend. I didn't get to see that. You have yeah, to have Disney like Plus, three. right? Yeah, you have to have yeah, Disney I'll Plus. I got that. Disney Plus. I, I, I watched it a few times. Um, very, very good film. You know, visually, visually stunning. But I have to say, it is very embarrassing that uh, Brown Skin Girls is not the number one song on on hip-hop and R&B radio. I feel like every hip-hop, R&B radio station, the adult contemporary station, mm-hmm. they need to be playing Brown Skin Girl. Like, Brown, like and, and, and they slept on that song uh, when the Lion King soundtrack came out last year. Mm-hmm. But now that it has a visual, I feel like they should add a, a, a Kelly Rowland verse to it, and they should really uh, make that the number one song at hip-hop and R&B radio. Only because the song does so much, man. Like, you know, we I, I, I see how my daughters gravitate towards that song and have always gravitated towards that song. So mm-hmm. I think that should be a that should that should that should be something radio gets behind. Especially okay. hip hop okay. radio. All right. Well, when we come back, we got the positive note. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, Charlamagne, you got a positive note? Yes, the positive note is simply this, man. Sometimes you have to forget what's gone, appreciate what still remains, and look forward to what's coming next. Breakfast Club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done?